Hello and good day. This is Jono, your friendly Australian correspondent, coming to you from the United Arab Emirates. That's right, Abu Dhabi, aka the land of sand. Now, Cody has foolishly invited me to speak on his podcast every few weeks. So, strap yourselves in and get ready. I am not actually a Birds fan. I follow the Boston Red Sox, but we do have a mutual enemy, the Yankees. So, every few weeks, listen out. I'll jump on the podcast and give my rantings and ravings and a few musings on the birds, on the socks, and our mutual disdain for the New York Yankees. Can't wait to catch up with you guys soon. Great introduction by John of the Aussie, Red Sox fan extraordinaire, our foreign correspondent, calling in all the way from Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. He's going to give his quick take on the Boston Red Sox. We're going to spend most of today, all of today really, talking about the trades that the Baltimore Orioles have taken, not only yesterday, but going all the way back to July 29th, the first trade that the Baltimore Orioles made. We're not going to cover any waiver wire pickups or anything like that, but I do specifically want to go through the trades. Who did we give up? Who did we get in return? And my quick take on each one of those trades, because I just like the duck a Baltimore Orioles podcast. That's right, the uh, Baltimore Orioles took the trade deadline all the way up to 355, uh, dealing out Miguel Castro at the very end of the deadline. Uh, We'll talk about that trade and more, but hey, let's just recap real quick what a fantastic, exciting game. You know what, the entire series that the Orioles had up on Buffalo, all four games were pretty exciting. You know, with the the exception of game two, where we, it wasn't a blow up, but we did lose zero to five. Um, each one of those games were, were one-run games, uh, that, you know, two of which came into extra innings. And you know what? This is the team that we've got to battle it out uh, if we want a playoff spot. So it was exciting. You know what? As, as exciting as these games are, it sure feels a hell of a lot better when we come out on top. What an absolute incredible play to end the game. If anybody has not seen that play, uh, you know, the... Uh, the Tying run for the Blue Jays was on third base. Uh, they hit a ball out to deep right field. Uh, Anthony Santander gets to it, doesn't catch it in there, gets to it. Uh, the runner is obviously tagging, coming in, throws a, a run to uh, Brian Holiday, who is playing first base, doesn't make a move on it at all. In comes Jose Iglesias, just running in from nowhere, uh, grabs it, twists, turns, throws a bullet to Chance Cisco, who had not started the game at catcher. Uh, just an absolute strike. Uh, turns and tags the runner out to win the game. Absolutely incredible. Thank God the Orioles were on the winning side of that one. Uh, but that's not what today is. Today is talking about the trades. The trade-a-palooza that happened for the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. And uh, let's get right to it. The Orioles were sellers in this trade deadline. Um, you know, we're... We're not in the playoffs uh, if the playoffs started today. Now, granted, we still have a lot more baseball to play. I still feel like we have a fighting chance to get in there. Uh, But the front office and Mike Elias decided that, you know what, 
uh, we're not buying and, and we're going to sell. And, and we're going to talk about each one of the players that we traded away. What did we get in return? And we're going to start with Hector Velezquez. Yeah, you guys didn't even know that he was a Baltimore Oriole. Uh, we picked him up uh, from wa waivers uh, from the Red Sox uh, early in the year. You know, Hector has, you know, uh, comes from Mexico, played in the Mexican leagues for a couple years, uh, was signed by the Red Sox, I believe in 2017, played uh, three good years up in the Boston Red Sox organization uh, with a pretty solid uh, ERA. Uh, you know, let's see here. Mm, career ERA under four at just a 3.9. Now that did tick up each year, um, but you know what? Pretty solid. So when he came into camp, I think he had a real chance uh, of at least coming back onto our 60-man player pool. But we did trade him to the Houston Astros organization for a player to be named later. Now, obviously, we all know and kind of understand now, a player to be named later uh, most likely is a deal that's in place with the other organization, in this case, the Houston Astros, although how much can you really trust the Houston Astros? Um, so I, my feeling is, is that it's kind of a handshake agreement uh, that once teams can trade for players outside of that 60-man player pool, uh, that trade will be consummated and uh, that player will be named at that point in time. Now, who we're getting back, it's probably getting, you know, obviously going to be somebody in their minor league system. Uh, the way that it looks like, uh, you know, the Orioles are going, most likely a middle infielder because we can't have enough middle infielders. So that was the first trade that happened. I know that nobody really remembered that, uh, but let's just take a pause while I figure out who was the next in chronological order uh, that was traded for the Baltimore Orioles. Of course, this trade season really began in earnest on July 31st when the Baltimore Orioles traded Richard Blyer, who it, I actually felt was uh, hurt the most, uh, at least at the time because the Orioles were, were off to a pretty decent start. And I felt like uh, Blyer was a real leader in that bullpen. Uh, you know, the relationship that he had with a lot of those younger guys I thought was really important, uh, you know, and, and just kind of was the epitome of perseverance. A guy who that had gone through a uh, pretty significant setback with uh, uh, some surgeries, uh, but was having a really comeback year for the organization. Uh, you know, I think a lot of those younger guys in the bullpen looked up to Blyer. I know that he had a great relationship with Michael Gibbons as well, also traded by the organization yesterday, and we'll get to him. Uh, but, you know, this one hurt a little bit. So uh, we did send uh, Blyer over to uh, the Miami Marlins, which was even more bittersweet because we were just getting ready to play the Miami Marlins, who ended up sweeping in a four-game series, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, and again, similar to uh, Hector Velasquez, uh, Richard Blyer was also traded for a player to be named. Uh, let's, you know, again, I really thought Blyer was, was a great guy to have within the organization. Uh, a little bit of uh, background, you know, he's a Florida kid, uh, does have, a, you know, some connections to New York, uh, and was actually drafted by the Texas Rangers. Uh, all the way down in the sixth round of the 2008 Major League Draft. Uh, played in their farm system for quite some time, and then in 2013... Again, we love to talk about the Rule 5 draft picks. 
the Toronto Blue Jays saw something in Blyer and actually picked him up in the Rule 5 draft. Um, it, it, but it, he ended up, um, you know, after that season, ended up signing with the Washington Nationals uh, right before the 2015 season, pitched in their minor league system for the uh, Harrisburg Senators. Um, he had the most wins and the lowest ERA of all minor league pitchers in the Washington Nationals minor league system. Um, and so he was well on his way uh, to moving on up for the Washington organization. Um, pitcher of the week for the Eastern League uh, for the Senators in May of 2000, or yeah, May 2015, uh, and then got bumped up to their AAA organization up in Syracuse, um, you know, back in uh, early summer of 2015. Uh, but then he kind of went into elected free agency. He ended up signing with the Yankees for 2016, where he made his uh, major league debut uh, back on May 26, 2016. Uh, so that's really kind of how uh, Blyer got to the majors. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, Yankees traded Blyer to the Baltimore Orioles for a player to be named later and cash, or sorry, or cash considerations. I'm not exactly sure who they got for him. Um, so that's, that's how he became a Baltimore Oriole back in 2017. Uh, spent all of 2018 uh, with the organization. Uh, but 2018 was when he actually had that... Um, uh, that injury uh, that was diagnosed as a grade three uh, lat tear on his left side. Um, so it really took him a while. You know, he, he had a rough return in 2019. I don't think it was, uh, you know, a, a lot of relief appearance, appearances that he felt really comfortable with, uh, battled through it, obviously had a great offseason and came back and looked incredible this year. So it'll be interesting to see who this player to be named is uh, in my opinion, this one stung, especially early on, because I thought that uh, Blair was just a great Baltimore Oriole. He was a great guy to have around, uh, loved all the interviews, uh, and he, he was pitching so well for the organization. Absolutely, he's one of those guys that we wish well in the, uh, in the future. Love the fact that he's in the National League, so we won't see much of him, uh, which, you know, bodes even, even better. So the next one up, let's get into uh, some of the deals that went down uh, yesterday. So the bulk of the trade flurry with the Baltimore Orioles really started with Tommy Malone. Uh, that was really the first indication that the front office w were going to be sellers. Uh, I think we probably all guessed it back when we saw Richard Blyer get traded, but once we saw Tommy Malone uh, get traded so close to the deadline, uh, we knew that there were some deals to be made. And, and not only that, uh, the fact that it was for uh, two players to be named later from the Atlanta Braves we kind of had this feeling, okay, we're, we're not trying to bring in any heavy hitters, bring any uh, you know, uh, significant talent to the organization for a run at the playoffs. Now, again, organizationally, I don't think too many people, even from a fandom perspective, I don't think that too many people were, uh, again, it's not like Tommy Malone was a lifelong Oriole. Uh, Tommy Malone, along with Wade LeBlanc, two guys that were uh, essentially Major League Baseball journeymen, uh, who had played for several different organizations, uh, came into the spring training uh, on through uh, summer camp and just kind of really pitched well enough to earn a minor league contract that was then, you know, called up on and signed. Uh, I think each one signed like an 800000 maybe it was a, a million dollars for one of them, uh, professional contract. And hey, great for these two guys. Uh, older guys, in, you know, as far as baseball years, 
Um, you know, they don't have that proven track record, uh, but they came into, you know, the Baltimore Orioles organization. Uh, you know, Wade LeBlanc, who unfortunately went on the 60-day injury list with a bone issue uh, and his uh, throwing elbow, uh, it, you know, is not going to be able to finish up the year. But when we saw Tommy Malone come in, I think a lot of people actually thought that Wade LeBlanc, uh, at least coming into the year, was a little bit of a better starting pitcher, starting option for us. The expectations for Tommy Malone were, were probably a little bit lower, thinking that, you know what, he could be a starter, but maybe it's more of an opener role where we only expect him to go three, four innings top. But we all know what happened come opening day up in Fenway when John Means came down with this uh, dead arm issue, uh, was not, uh, could not start for the organization. And, you know, by the time that rolled around, you really couldn't move up Alex Cobb or anybody else into that starting, that, you know, that essentially ace position uh, to start opening day uh, because their schedules were already preset. So in comes Tommy Malone. Uh, and you know what? That is a game that I think most Orioles would like to forget. We got blown out by the Red Sox, but you know what? The next day, as you know, Hyde kind of, I think now classically put in the, in the press conference after the game, we're just going to flush this. And we're going to come out, we're going to pretend it never happened, uh, and we're going to play baseball. And they played some great baseball for the next two days, taking two of the three from the Boston Red Sox. Um, but Tommy Malone, after that initial start, had some very good quality starts after that and looked uh, like a great piece for the Orioles. Um, pitched really well. Now, again, he's not a guy that's been around the organization enough uh, to, I think, would provide a lot of leadership uh, you know, to that starting rotation. But again, that starting rotation was pretty much older professional guys. Uh, you know, you had Tommy Malone, Wade LeBlanc, you had Asher Wojciechowski. You know, the youngest guy was probably John Means. Um, you know, we had a few other guys that were kind of brought in there. Who was going to be that, that fifth, sixth spot? You know, I think Thomas Eshelman uh, was kind of up in there. You know, we also had some other guys that were vying for that position. Uh, Alex Cobb, I, I didn't mention, uh, obviously not somebody that, you know, uh, you know, older veteran in the organization as well. Uh, but hey, great for Tommy Malone and great from an organizational perspective that they saw somebody, they were able to invest just enough from a development perspective, give him the right amount of opportunities so that you can trade something at the deadline and get some value back. Now, not just one player to be named later, but two. Uh, so we'll see exactly how that um, rolls out, but excited to see that. Unfortunately for Tommy, the, I think like the day or day after he gets traded, he goes down to Atlanta, did not have the best of outings. Uh, he got up, he got beat up pretty bad. Um, we'll, we'll see how Atlanta and their fans, uh, move forward with Tommy is, you know, does he make it through the rest of the year? We'll see. Uh, do they just write off those two players to be named? Uh, but hopefully again, I think that, you know, something similar happened to Tommy when he went up to Fenway, got knocked out, knocked around a little bit, but then once he found his groove, uh, he pitched very well, or at least well enough uh, for the team to get a couple wins behind him. And that's what I think the, the Atlanta Braves are looking for. So who was next chronologically that we traded that and more. So next up on the trade block for the Baltimore Orioles was actually Michael Givens. Uh, and here's where it gets interesting because we did actually see some players to be named most likely because Michael Givens was a great trade chip. Now, a lot of folks, uh, have been thinking for the past two years that Michael Givens would be traded. Uh, he's a quality relief pitcher. Uh, he's, he's really good for one solid inning uh, and can probably give you two if need be. 
Now, I don't think that we could characterize Michael as excelling in the closer role that he was given last year, um, but he was doing extremely well in that setup role this year. And, and that might be uh, where the Colorado Rockies, which the Baltimore Orioles traded him to, uses him, is in that setup type role. Uh, so great to see Michael given a chance to go out to Colorado and with an organization that has a real shot uh, in the playoffs. Fun fact, once upon a time, uh, this duck used to live uh, in Denver, went to a few Rockies games, uh, really liked the organization, such a fun ballpark to go in and watch. Uh, and and the, the Rockies are a fun team to cheer for as well. Uh, fortunately for me, it's just uh, you, you got to stay up really late to watch those West Coast games. Um, so it's very excited for Michael Gibbons, and, and I think Michael had a very um, heartfelt, you know, uh, message. He was, uh, you know, a bit of emotion when he left the organization. You know, and, and a lot of us need to remember that Michael Gibbons was was not a pitcher uh, that the Orioles drafted. Uh, Michael Gibbons is a pitcher that the Baltimore Orioles created. Uh, Gibbons was drafted as a shortstop, uh, but you know what? It it looked early on that that wasn't going to work out for for Michael. Uh, and as he kind of sat there, I said, hey, by the way, I think I can pitch. And, and they worked on him. Uh, and sure enough, he had a great arm to go along with a very athletic frame uh, and made some, some great plays. I think uh, you know, a lot of us remember last year, uh, his play at the plate after a wild pitch uh, and his ability to just dart towards home plate, uh, block it off, and, and tag out. I think it was uh, against the Yankees, uh, which makes it even more uh, of an exciting play, but um, who you know, we actually get back two quality infielders in Tyler Nevin uh, and and Taryn Vera, and so you know from an organizational standpoint, these are guys that actually are going to immediately slide in to the Baltimore Orioles, um, you know, top thirty prospects. So very excited to see that. Um, we'll see how long it takes these guys uh, to come through the organization. Uh, a, a lot of talk has already been with, with Tyler Nevin and his kind of uh, uh, parental pedigree, if you will. Uh, his father, you know, having some Major League Baseball experience, being the third base coach for the New York Yankees. Uh, so great to see there. Uh, and then Taryn uh, Vavra, probably need to learn how to you know, say his name, from Minomoni, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right, Minomoni. Uh, actually drafted by the Colorado Rockies, um, you know, back in... 2018, so just been in professional baseball for a couple years. Uh, did have some uh, college baseball experience with the University of Minnesota. Um, and again, is going to be playing either shortstop or second base. So again, stockpiling those middle infielders. And the thing about those middle infielders, typically there are guys with a lot of athletic ability. We just got through talking about how Michael Gibbons came in, uh, you know, originally drafted as a shortstop and, and it ended up becoming a quality relief pitcher, uh, and everybody's fan favorite, new fan favorite, Ryan Mountcastle, also drafted uh, as a shortstop uh, and ended up uh, moving out to left field where, you know, thank God we waited on his defense. Um, but yeah, uh, Ryan Mountcastle had an absolute, uh, incredibly athletic play out in left field today, uh, yesterday. So that was great to see as well. So two actual players to be named. So that was fun to see. Uh, and both Tyler Nevin and Taryn Vavra. Vavra? One of those V's has got to be silent. So exciting to see. Um, you know, unfortunately, Michael was a quality, quality 
Baltimore Orioles guy. You know, I did see on Twitter where somebody kind of brought up that, you know, there's some uh, publicity stuff that maybe Michael had going on in his personal life. It's not like he murdered anybody, uh, but they're, you know, I'll let you guys go out and judge for yourself what happens there. Um, but so there was a bit of that in the press. So uh, I know that some fans, you know, weren't too teary eyed to see him leave. Uh, I think what I will miss is, you know, some of the articles and some of the interviews they had with Michael Gibbons uh, and Richard Blyer and the back and forth that these guys had and, and the, you know, the absolute uh, full on honesty they had with each other when they had a poor performance. They would, you know, come off the field. It wasn't, hey, good game, you'll get them next time. It was, man, you really sucked. Uh, you blew it. Uh, you got to get better. You got to, you know, change your elbow. Uh, make sure you get a little bit more wrist action on that one. Uh, but the banter that these two guys had and the relationship that you obviously have to have to be that honest with somebody. And again, going back to the, the leadership qualities that guys like Richard Blyer had in the bullpen, I really hope uh, that we see somebody in the organization, somebody in the bullpen from a player perspective, you know, step up and fill that void uh, that was left. You know, maybe that maybe that ends up being a Tanner Scott or a, a Paul Fry because both those guys are still pretty young. Um, you know, I'm not sure how David Hess is working out in the organization out of the bullpen. Um, but you know what? It's with these guys leaving, there's going to be an absolute opportunity for new guys to step in. We saw Hunter Harvey called back up. That was exciting to see. Uh, does Hunter move into that closer role? You know, speaking of kind of, you know, leadership roles, maybe Cole Solcer steps up again. Cole has been beat up pretty good, uh, in that closing role. You know, he had some success, but, um, you know, not a lot of success against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, so last but not least, uh, we'll talk about our last trade. To be honest, this last one kind of hurt. It came right in at the deadline. I really thought that if anybody was going to get traded at the deadline, it was going to be somebody like a Pedro Severino, who I think is having an absolutely outstanding year. But thankfully, Pedro's at least going to be with us till the end of the year. Uh, love that for Pedro. Uh, I thought maybe we might get you know rid of Renato Nunez, um, but you know what? I, I think that Renato's value, uh, you know, isn't as high as a lot of Orioles fans believe it is. Really, he's just a quality DH with suspect uh, first base and third base skills. If anything, I think he's a little bit better at first base, but as a a guy that's not quite as tall, quite as big as a lot of these, uh, you know, power uh, hitters that you see playing first base. He just doesn't have that same athletic ability that you might see, I hate to say it, with a Chris Davis. Uh, so I really thought that Renato Nunez might get shipped off. Uh, I thought as well it could be Chance Cisco. And, and again, you know, how many catchers do we really need? A lot of people were thinking maybe Brian Holiday, even though he's the third catcher in the or Orioles organization but teams are always looking for a quality third catcher. Um, but all of those guys stayed with the team. Uh, so great that the Orioles organization at least have those guys with us till the end of the year. Uh, I'm looking forward to see more Pedro. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully see Renato uh, knock a few over the, the wall, at least a few more over the wall. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what we get there. But we did lose Miguel Castro. Uh, Miguel Castro was signed by actually the Toronto Blue Jays as an international free agent back in 2012, uh, played within their organization, and then actually went out to the Colorado Rockies. He was traded to the Rockies back in 2015, uh, along with a couple other guys. Uh, it was like a five-player deal. Uh, and then he was traded to the Orioles in 2017 
uh, for cash considerations and a player to be named later, which ended up being John Keller. Uh, he first got called up for the Orioles back in May 17th uh, of 2017, uh, struck out one batter in one scoreless inning of relief. So uh, that's where it all started. Um, I don't know if a lot of people kind of heard this during the offseason. Miguel Castro actually had this near life and death experience. Uh, he was going to one of the training facilities there in his hometown in the Dominican Republic. Uh, you know, two guys showed up to rob him. Uh, if anybody's that you know has watched Miguel Castro pitch, he's he's definitely got a his own swagger when he's up on the mound. His hat is tilted just a bit uh, off tilter. He's got those big uh, uh, dreadlocks underneath the cap, and then he's got this awesome gold chain. Uh, with the words, hi, mom, dangling from uh, the gold chain. Uh, so I think it was that gold chain that these two guys uh, rolled up on Miguel Castro and pulled out a gun uh, and was just ready to shoot him uh, and, and take his jewelry. As they pulled the trigger, the gun locked up, didn't fire. Uh, they panicked. Miguel Castro obviously panicked, took off running, uh, probably the fastest he's ever run, and uh, booked it out of there. But yeah. Quite the uh, near-death experience for Miguel Castro during the offseason. Uh, you know, COVID's one thing. Getting held up at gunpoint is another. But um, I think when you come back after an experience like that, baseball's not quite as important. But I tell you what, talk about Miguel Castro having a hell of a year. So he's been real fun to watch. And I think he was one of those quality relief guys that, that you know, Hyde and the rest of the Orioles team could count on coming out of the bullpen. Now, whether or not he was going to move up into kind of a setup role or even get a couple shots, he had a couple shots this year at closing out games. But I like that development. And at 25 years old, he was young enough to where I think the Orioles kind of saw some nice quality opportunities in the future. But I think at this point in time, they, they saw more value and probably thought, you know what, let's, let's sell high. Miguel Castro definitely has a high ceiling, um, but... You know, we've also seen kind of some some struggles in the past. A lot of the guys, if you were to grade them on how well they did last year, would would not be straight A students. So, uh, you know, Miguel Castro having a hell of a year compared to last year. I think the organization said, "Hey, let's let's at least take some of these guys and sell high and and see if we can get something in return." Um, but you know, it's it's going to be fun for Castro. I think uh, again, he was one of those guys that. Uh, as manager Hyde put it, you know, wears his emotion on his sleeve and uh, had a little bit of emotion about being traded. Uh, but it's not his first rodeo. These guys are all professional baseball players. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll get there, uh, and I'm sure they'll have a lot of success. With that, I'm excited to see, you know, at least some of these players that have been named, uh, the Kevin Smiths, the Tyler Nevins, uh, the Taryn Viveras, uh, you know, and, and all of these other players to be named. Uh when are, when are they going to be named? I'm sure it'll be shortly after the season ends. But it's going to be really fun to see uh, all of these guys that we kind of get. Um, and, and, you know, keep an eye on these guys that we traded away. Uh, see how well they do in the organization. I mentioned Tommy Malone, his struggles in his first start. But let's see what happens with uh, Michael Gibbons uh, as he heads out to Colorado and, and what happens with Miguel Castro. Hopefully not a lot of success, at least in the next four games for Miguel Castro. So that's all I got. Uh, we'll check in. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some more news for you. Because I just like the duck, a Baltimore Orioles podcast. Late breaking news. We did not get a chance to catch up with our foreign correspondent, John Odiasi, on his thoughts 
on the Red Sox. But we'll make sure to include that in uh, next week's episode. You guys take care. Hopefully we have a great series against the Mets. Uh, Let's see how it goes. Because I just like the duck, an Orioles podcast.